podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Good evening and welcome to the build-up show. Hopefully um, it won't be as optimistic as I was for the Man City build-up, but we'll wait and see. Tonight's show was brought to you by Paddy Power. Uh, Bookie's a website and an app. Uh, if you gamble, please do so responsibly. And if you do, please choose to do so with Paddy Power. Tonight I'm joined by Gav on the other side of the hosting chair. Tonight, Gav, how are you? Great. Um, running on minimal sleep for various reasons, but other than that, I'm great. Good stuff, good stuff. We're, we're all a bit tender, I'd say, today. Sean, you lost, and Sean, how are you? Oh, good, mate, yeah. Tender as well, yeah? Yeah, well Just done at this stage. Ready, ready to eat, I'd say. I'm sick of fucking <laughs> me, I'm going to start thing. Good stuff, good stuff. And Jim Fishlock, Jim's back again with us. Jim, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Great, great, great to have good you again. Good, excellent stuff, excellent stuff. So we're going to look ahead to the Aston Villa game on the back of what was a disappointing result against Man City. But we'll look back at some of the, the reaction to that performance as well. Um, Gav, we'll start with you. How did you find the reaction Klopp's comments in the immediate aftermath and in the um, comments today on the in his press conference? I didn't see his press conference, um, but uh, we done a pod last night about it, and I was very um, flippant about it, I suppose. I just thought it was the team we all wanted to see, um, and for the first 20, 25 minutes, I thought they were fine. Um, but, you know, 4 nil is 4 nil. You can't, you can't fucking, you can't get around that. But having said that, Liverpool were probably playing a. 80% last night, 85% last night, and the percentages are so low, and the difference between the teams is so fine, that if you're at 85 and they're at 86, that 1% is absolutely massive, and if you watch it, you know, we had chances, um, if we'd have taken them, it would have been, could have been a completely different game, but I think if you look at the way we, especially, attack them wise, we were okay, we had chances, defensively, I thought, we looked not like a team that was on the piss for the week. Now, we did make a joke of that last week or last night, but we looked like a side to me that weren't putting in that extra couple of percent in concentration in particular. And you get killed by Man City. Um, you just do. You get killed by any big side if you, if you don't put in that extra couple of percent. But I was a bit flippant over it. Klopp was extremely upset about it. And um, I just feel sorry for Aston Villa now because if Klopp is... Um, 
is Klopp is mirroring that attitude that you seen on Sky last night and you seen in a press conference, I presume, and today he was, he was, I seen one clip where he was fairly defiant, isn't the word. I think he was a bit, um, put out by what was, what had gone on. Um, if he's mirroring that in the, in the dressing room, I think Aston Villa may be in for a long, long 90 minutes on Sunday. Yeah, very true, very true, Jim. What do you think um, of the reaction that we can expect of the immediate reaction to the match? How do you think uh, it's shaping up for Sunday? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Gav. I think um, the reaction is what you'd expect from from the manager. Um, obviously, he's not going to come out and say, "Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things." We were, we probably were a little bit unprofessional, etc., leading up to the game, which I don't think we would have been. Um, but the reality is, as a manager, you've got to take the, the 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 highs and the lows. And obviously, you've had everything that's come ever since we we, we officially won the league, which is well deserved and, and pretty much the majority of his reign. And I'm sure, in hindsight, the last thing he would have wanted is to turn up last night um, and lose in the manner that we did. Um, like Gav says, you know, and Sean said before we came on air, for the first twenty minutes, we looked very good. Um, it looked like it was going to be of classic game um, and I think and as I said earlier the first goal is key we get our first goal um, from Mane's chance or one of the other chances that we had before they score first and you're potentially looking at us winning that game 2-3-4-0 because you don't know how Man City react to going down um, you know so quickly so early on in the game so I think Klopp's right to get into him I think it's time now for everybody to realise you know, all the talk of let's get these these young lads uh, a trophy, uh, sorry, a, a winner's medal, let's give them the five games, etc. That's been put to bed. And it's quite clear that he wants to end this season on another undefeated run going into the start of next season. Because don't forget, we're not going to have the long like summer break like we would normally have. It is literally going to be a couple of weeks, I think. Then they're straight into pre-season um, and then back into the Premier League. So there's no time to waste, really. I don't think we can afford to drop off. Um, and as for Aston Villa, yeah, like Gav says, I, I feel for them. To be honest with you, I feel for any team that can that would that would play us this weekend after, after uh, last night. I, I I don't think it's going to be very pretty for them. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And Shani, we as the lads touched on there, and we were speaking before we came on air about the quality of these games uh, between Liverpool and Man City. That it is something that's really brewing into um, a proper rivalry now. As much as the fans will give a bit of stick back and forth saying, "Oh, Man City are a rival," they certainly are becoming a big rival now. And the intensity of those games, it, it's shown in it, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like. You see, Jim as well alluded to it before we came on air about that Arsenal and United rivalry. Not not really rivals per location, but just in terms of both everyone having the same goal in mind. And it that really is has been a bit of needle in these last few City and Liverpool games, um, especially at Anfield. And then you could see it last night, and the likes of Bernardo and all that clapping us on the pitch. Now I kind of like that because. I think this is what's good. We spore each other on. Uh, Liverpool and Man City at the moment is similar to Messi and Ronaldo in La Liga. You score three, I'll score four sort of thing. And I think we push each other. Because if you look at last year, I don't think there's no way that we do 97 points and they do 98 points. If we're not as good as we are and they're not as good as they are. So, like last night, look, in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. But it is a kick in the teeth. And it's a little bit of one-upmanship for them. 
and you could see why club club was spiky because club was annoyed. But it, it, it's fine margins in those games, and we didn't take our chances, and they did, and it was simple as that. And look, there has to be an element of uh, the the league title was five, four, three or four years in the making on the club, and a lot of these players have actually gone through a lot to to get it over the line. So there had to be some sort of release and and pay off in the end. And look, you could see it last night. Like like Gav said, the, the extra bit of conversation, uh, concentration, the switching off, it just wasn't there. And if you think this time next year, when that fixture comes around, that it's going to be the same, you're completely wrong because these lads are ready to go again. Klopp said it as well, itself in the press conference the other day. We're not going to defend this title next year. We're going to attack it. And it's as simple as that. That's true. Yeah, it is. It's a great point. You know, there's there's definitely the two teams are sporting each other on. The managers sport each other on. You know, without City doing what they do, we don't match that and have to push that and realise that draws are no good and essentially even this season to, to make a title charge. So it is going to be a big uh, a big point. But something that Jim touched on there was Klopp uh, saying um, about blooding in the youngsters for the rest of the season. Um, I know he said something today, didn't he, that the Premier League winners' medals won't be given out like Christmas presents, you know, they'll have to earn their appearances and things like that. So I think we will see a, a strong team going forward for the rest of the season. Um, the, the Guard of Honour thing, we won't talk too much about that. Sean, you touched on it there. What did you make of it, Gav? Did you think it was a bit half arsed or was it you're not bothered either way? Not arsed, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think. I think no fans being in the stadium makes a massive difference to that because, it, you know, if if there's 45,000 City fans there and 5,000 Liverpool fans and they're being given a guard of honour, there's a lot more atmosphere to it. Yeah. I think I think the whole thing, I hate to say it, looked a bit fucking silly in an empty stadium. Um, but that's that's the guard of honour and that's the way the, the, the cookie has crumbled, I suppose. I've no problem with Bernardo Silva not clapping. Um, you know, we we we've talked for years about uh, Liverpool sides not having enough snide in them and enough backbone in them and stuff like that. Bernardo Silva does exactly what you would want any Liverpool player to do. Now I'm not calling for Liverpool if you have a give, have to give a guard of honour at any time in the future, not clapping them on. But one player doing that, and you're kind of going, yeah, you kind of like him for that. You know, we had a discussion the other night about Andy Robertson. It was a City fan on last night talking to us and said he, he hates him because he causes fights and stuff like that. And I was like, well, that's exactly why you like him, don't you? Yeah. Um, or why we like him. Um, look, the guard of honour is there. Um, there are two teams that that have massive respect for each other, uh, two managers that have massive respect for each other, but it's a rivalry. And the, the, if you, all things being equal, and despite what the media are trying to tell you um, over the last couple of days, because when Liverpool were going to win the league, the league was terrible, and Liverpool have won the league now, and all of a sudden all these teams around them are great, and have all these ingredients to go and challenge City and Liverpool, and they don't, um, unless they do big things in the transfer window. So... You know, it's it's just it is like Shawnee says, the rivalry that's building, and Jim said the same. It's a rivalry that's building, and they push each other on, and it's a, it's basic case of who blinks first or shown no weakness. I've no issue with what went on last night. Um, I'd have no issue with Liverpool if one Liverpool player didn't do it. Although I did see a great thing today of Gabriel Jesus, a big smile on his face, mm-hmm. uh, clapping away while he was looking at Firmino coming out. So yeah. you know, the, the, you can pick on one thing and ignore another at times. Um, but no, I've 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 no I've no issue with it whatsoever, and I don't think I thought Liverpool looked a bit, um, 
a bit kind of what's going on when they were coming out of this. You know, they were kind of looking around and going, yeah, it doesn't really mean as much with no one in, yeah. in the ground. But look, at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck about people clapping us on pitches or, or doing anything. Liverpool are, are champions and, you know, nothing is going to take away from that. That's the most important thing, isn't it? And even when you look at the the way the match played out last night, you've all sort of touched on um, the... Um, the, the fact that it was a tight game, you know, it was very close and, you know, we had chances If we could have taken them chances. It would have been probably a different game and they just took their chances. We were uh, uncharacteristically bad at the back. You know, it has to be said there was a few of them like on Foden's goal. I think Robbo was a bit all over the place on that. But, you know, it's it's happened after we've won the league. So essentially... There's no harm done on it. But I don't think it's something that carries forward into next season. Um, before we move on, if you can all on YouTube, uh, hit the like button, do all the sharing, the bell icon, all that all that good stuff. And um, Stevie's on my case again. I'm sure it's about not putting the comments up. We'll get into a few comments now because a few people are mentioning in the comments about the links that are getting strongly put out now about Thiago Alcantara. Um, Shawnee, I know you're a fan of his... What are you making of these links and do you think it's something that's going to happen? They're just links for the moment, to be honest. Uh, like I like, like you said, I'm a massive, massive fan of Thiago. I think he's a, a wonderful midfielder. He's arguably one of the best creative midfielders of his generation. And obviously, he's looking for a new challenge at Dortmund. I think if their president came out tonight and said yeah. that, yeah, it looks like he does want to leave. Now, from what we read, it says that Thiago wants to play for Liverpool. I'm sure a lot of footballers want to play for Liverpool. It doesn't mean that they're going to get the move. Yeah. Um, the reason why I, I immediately dismiss it is because there's noise on it. And for the last couple of years, whenever Liverpool have done business, we don't know anything about it until it's done. So it's hard to know. Uh, I expect in the next couple of days that the likes of James Pearce and Melissa Reddy might pour cold water over it and that'll be it we'll move on uh, all the noise from the club at the moment is that they're not going to do anything major I love Thiago I think he gives us a complete different dimension I think what, if if we're going to be hypercritical of this Liverpool team one thing we've seen this season is that we rely an awful lot on our wide men for the creativity throughout the side and if you have a midfielder like Thiago in there who can turn a man on a sixpence and put the ball on on the blade, the balls of a spider, then it just completely changes the the rhetoric of the team. And I think next year, uh, Klopp is going to have to find a new way to make us creative. And if you're going to bring someone in like Thiago, Jesus, there's, there's no better, there's no better player you can bring in at the moment. Now, I, it it doesn't excite me because it's just a rumor, but I'd absolutely love it to happen. Something you said there, Sean, um, was the Rilmanigga quotes that came out and I just read them there before we came on. And I think that's that's adding a bit more. I was sort of looking at a, a bit half-arsed until I read the Rilmanigga quotes because my take on this was that he's just looking for a bumper new contract. But all the talk now from Bayern Munich is that, no, he wants out. And Rilmanigga even mentioned Liverpool um, just saying that they didn't have, they had no contact from anyone Um but he thinks that might change. Jim, what, what's your take on this transfer tittle-tattle? Are you into all this carry-on or is it enough for you? Um, I think he's a brilliant footballer. Um, I think he'd be, he'd be very, very good. 
Um, he's, you know, like Sean, he says, in terms of technical ability um, and creativity, he's, he's one of the best. Um, is it somebody that we would probably look at? Does he fit the profile of the type of signing um, that we would make? Um, I think probably not, even if we weren't in, in the world that we're in now, even if there was a pot full of money for you know, for sitting there, would he be somebody that we'd sort of bring in, say, 35, 40, 45 million? Was he probably on about 140, 150 grand a week? Yeah. Um, probably not, given his age and his injury record. Um, I think if I was playing on FIFA or Football Manager, I'd be bringing him in. Um, but... If I'm Jurgen Klopp right now, looking at the midfield options I've got and probably the list of players that Michael Edwards possibly has got um, for us to bring in in that midfield area, if we're going to bring anyone in, which I don't think we will, um, I don't think it's going to happen at all. But that's not to take away from from what he is, which is an absolutely fantastic footballer. Gav, what do you make of these links? Do you think the age is the, the key thing here or do you think it's something that if it can be done for, I've seen 35 million getting mentioned, do you think that might change their, their outlook? Let's say if a genie was to move on and they got into um, Thiago for a couple of years even with, without having to look for a resale as such on it, do you think it's one they'd look at under those circumstances or are you of the opinion that the age just doesn't doesn't match what Liverpool tend to do? Um. I think the age thing there's too much made of the age thing um, you know Kevin De Bruyne is 29 mm. you know if Kevin De Bruyne is lamping around for 35 million you're not going to you're not going to bring up his age are you um, you know th- these are elite footballers um, you know it's 29 is nothing to these people you know I'm sure Jordan Henderson must be must be close to 29 30 as well 40, as yeah, yeah we're writing him off um, we're not writing off Gina Wijnaldum Milner's flying around at 34 um, and the style of player he is I think he's brilliant um, from what I've seen of him and I'm not going to pretend I've seen him a hundred times because I haven't because I don't watch the Bundesliga but what I've, what I've watched of him the only thing I'm a bit curious about is where does he play Because and I don't mean in Liverpool's side because I'm not into picking 11s and who does he replace it's a squad game and I'm, I'm all for the more quality yeah, players you can get I'll just, the I'll just say something guys Oh, you went on us there, Shani. One thing that's massively overlooked in Thiago's game, how actually good, good effective he is at winning. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that's massively overlooked in Thiago's game is his, actually, is his ability to win the ball back mm-hmm. and snap into tackles. Like he's a yeah. physical little fucker. Like yeah. As we've seen, because he's dominated English teams in the Champions League every single time he's come up against them. Yeah. So, People saying he's a bit slight and this and that. I don't buy that either. He is a tenacious little fucker. He's not going to be yeah. slight because he, he'd come from Barcelona under Pep Guardiola. Um, as soon as Guardiola took over at Bayern Munich, I think he was the first player that he bought there. Um, so in terms of the pressing game, winning possession back, um, being tenacious, yeah. He's not going to lack there, is he? He's not going to lack no. that at all. No. Um, personally, it's, it's his injury record. It's yeah. his injury record and the attritional style that that Klopp plays. It's a different. It's a different intensity to the way Guardiola's teams will press and win the ball back. Mm. 
it's far more attritional um, the way we play. So that would be my my main concern because of it because of his age and his history, his injury record. If you know what I mean, not not taking his age uh, in isolation. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Those make sense because I, I for the impression I got of him was he played deeper than, you know, he looks yeah. to play deeper and probably in a two. That's just the, the bang. That's the impression I get off him. That could, I could be wrong. Byron could play a three and he could be the number eight. And I don't know. Um, but from what I've seen of him, he's he's extremely extremely good player. He's very 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 technically good. Um, scores the odd goal here and there, doesn't he? Um, and. So neat and tidy on the ball, doesn't give it away. And like it's like the lads say, he's come from Barcelona, he's come from Bayern Munich that, that love to press and love to win the ball back. So it's not alien to him. Um, but I don't worry about money. Thirty if it's thirty or forty million, it's not my money. Um, if Liverpool can do the deal, as a few people in the chat have said, there, look, if if it can be a staggered payment over a certain amount of years, it's a no brainer. I'd agree. Um, like I'll put it this way: Adam Milan is leaving the club. In, in the summer. Now, there's been a lot of talk around Curtis Jones taking his place. I'm not on board with that. Um, not Nothing against Curtis Jones, but I'm not on board. I don't think he's at the level you need to, to play at the elite level that we play at um, the majority of the time. But if, you, if you're asking me, could would you change Adelana for Thiago Alcantara? Um, yes, is the answer. And if it costs you 30 million quid, um, fine. And... I'm I'm all for it. Like I, I don't I don't see the issue if he's if he's quality and no one's denying that quality. If the, if the finances are in place to do it, whether it's you know straight up there's thirty million or a stagger payment, and the the club can make it happen. Yeah, absolutely make it happen. It's interesting. Um, you know the Rumenega comments. He, he to me he looks like he's looking for an auction now. He knows that player is leaving and he doesn't want it. He doesn't want him to drag out another even six months of his contract and um you know try leave around January and and they get next to nothing for him. Um the the, the media stuff um I've lost all hope in, in in journalists to be perfectly honest with you. You know they 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 tell you they know stuff and then they don't. And then when they don't say when they don't say anything. And when they don't say anything and then it comes out, i.e. Timo Werner, and all of a sudden the next day they they know what they know every they have the the script of everything that supposedly Jurgen Klopp says to Timo Werner. So when it comes to journalists, um I haven't got an awful lot of a lot of belief in them at the moment when it comes to Liverpool and transfer rumours. That is true, yeah. It's something that we've learned to I suppose um take with a pinch of salt isn't it I see the echo are, are poo-pooing it but you know again the likes of Fabinho came out of nowhere when we got Fabinho literally nobody seen that one coming and within two hours he was signed so look we don't know what's going to happen there I think personally Thiago's a wonderful player I went to watch Barcelona a few years ago and naturally I was just glued to Messi but Thiago was doing all the warm-ups with Messi and the skills that he was doing now you can Joe Cole could do skills in a warm-up, but the stuff that he was doing meant he was only a young star at the time, like, and I was absolutely mesmerising looking at, looking at him. So I've followed him an awful lot since then, and I think he'd be perfect in their team, to be honest, because Johnny's right. You come through La Masia and then you go and play in Bayern Munich. Well, Bayern aren't getting tested every week. It's in him to be pressing and to be, when Guardiola sort of force went into Barcelona it's all about winning the ball back after so many seconds if you lose it you know so he was brought up in that and pressing won't be an issue the injury thing yeah I mean but the same thing could be said about Kevin De Bruyne if we use him for an example he's got a terrible injury record would yep. you take him you know what I mean so it, it's yep. one of them things Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain had a terrible injury record 
hasn't been great since he's come to us. But you know, the players will always in this day and age, I think, are a bit more injury prone. Um, the way it's going. But look, we'll see what happens. As I said, I wasn't reading too much into this Thiago news until I seen Rumenigas comments, and that's sort of changed me, changed me stance on it a bit. And um, that he definitely does want to leave, and it's not just contract stuff. But I agree with what Gav has just said there. He did say Rumenigas that he's not going to let it go to the last. Uh, he's not going to be going for free, so maybe he is just trying to drum up a bit of an auction and a bit of interest. But the reports are saying that he, he has his heart set on us. But as Sean, he said, I'm sure, loads of them have their heart yeah. set on us. I think if it does end up happening, that would be a big thing to do with it. Because if you look at all the players that we've kind of got in the last year, the big ones, they nailed to the mass that they were only going to play for Liverpool, so like the likes of Van Dijk and yeah. everyone else. Uh, it looked like Werner was the saying that he was only going to play for Liverpool, but obviously, whatever happened with the COVID, he, I think the only way Thiago comes is he literally turns around and says, I'm actually not playing for anybody else by Liverpool, so walk her out with them and figure out what you're going to take for us and what they're going to pay. That's the only way I see it happening. Yeah, that's true, you know, and that that's might be might be what it, if so things like that are happening, then we'll pay pay a bit more attention to it. But we we'll see. Like I said, I don't think we're overly hopeful of this one happening. Um but look, stranger things have happened, I suppose. Um and we'll wait and see what happens. So listen, we're just gonna have a little interlude here. Bear with me. We're just gonna move on to our player. So, as you have noticed over the last few shows, we're doing a little um, preview, a review of the players that are currently standouts in our team at the moment. And tonight we're going to talk about Andy Robertson. Um, I love Andy Robertson. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely think he's brilliant. He's a great player. He's a great, a great character. And as Gav touched on earlier, he brings a certain amount of snide into us that uh, we, we haven't always had. And we... We do what we do need, you know. So, Gav, I'll let you start on Robbo. What do you make of him? He's been brilliant. Um, you know, I've tr- I'm, when we're doing these kind of player reviews, I'm trying not to go back to when people signed and, and you know, their fourth or second or third season. I'm trying to look at just this season. And I think he's been excellent. Um, he's a fulcrum of the side. You know, we, we constantly talk, like, we've just been talking about Thiago Alcantara. And, you know, people people try talk themselves out by a bit because they see our midfield as very functional and it is and sometimes you'll throw stuff out like oh, we might need a bit more creativity and he might be the man but our, our, our creativity most of the time comes from the front three and our full backs and Trent gets an awful lot of um, plaudits which are well deserved you know the, the the goals he has and the assists he has over the last two, two and a half seasons is off the charts but Robertson is a different type of fullback. you know he's much more tenacious um, he's a bit more all action I think um, he's he wants to get to the byline. He wants to he wants to jump into challenges. He wants to um he 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 wants to do everything. He literally wants to do it a lot. I think if you ask him to play, he's the sort of player that if you ask him to go into midfield and have a go, he definitely have a go. I love his attitude. I love that he's given Messi a slap across the head. I've no problem with that. Um, just. All out this season, I think he's been absolutely excellent. He may have had a slight dip in form here or there, but a slight dip in form is probably seven and a half, eight out of ten. Most weeks he's coming out and he's absolutely flying. He does get affected by um by by Mane when he's missing. I think um we do big time. Um and Mane gets affected by him not being there, um, especially when Milner plays left back. But for me, Andy Robertson is just 
he's out on his own, a left backs in this league, and across the world, he's probably he's definitely in the top two or three. Shawnee, what do you think? Uh, Robbo's amazing. Uh, like Gav said, fulcrum in the team, one of the most important cogs in the machine. And uh, considering the workload he actually has to do, because he's our only natural left side attempt, uh, left back. Yeah. The walk cloud he goes through and the type of walk that he puts in in the middle of a game is incredible. Like Mourinho, Mourinho touched on last season when we played United that he said he just doesn't stop. He's relentless. And not only is a brilliant one-on-one defender, now last night permitted, he's, his delivery and his in-game intelligence is unbelievable. And he, he's the dirtiest little bastard in our side. And if he was playing for anybody else, he'd hate him. But we love him because he's ours and he's been absolutely excellent he deserves all the plaudits he gets and he'll be the most dominant left back in the Premier League for the next three or four years at least I reckon yeah it's great Jim um, what's your take on Robbo yeah much the same as, as the other two lads to be honest with you he's, um, he's world class he's, he's he's pretty much him and Trent have, have pretty much redefined um, the full-back position, I think. Um, every couple of years, football evolves, doesn't it, in some format, whether it be the false nine, um, the Makaleli-type role, the ball-playing centre-back, etc. But now, all of a sudden, I think all the top teams are looking at where do you get your width, where do you get your advantage, um, your overloads, and invariably now, t- the top teams, the attacking teams, are looking to use um, their full-backs whether that be in sort of like a wing-back type um, formation or like we do basically. Um, a lot of the time when we're, not, when we're in possession, we probably fit, end up with three behind the ball and the rest in front. Um, and the two wing, two full-backs are, are massive towards that. And, and Robbo, I think, in terms of... Like Trent, obviously, is a fantastic crosser of the ball. He puts in a great set-piece, uh, dead ball, and he's great with the free kicks. Considering Robbo, majority of his assists and and the influence he has on, on the game is is in play as opposed to dead ball um like Trent. Um I think arguably he's probably a little bit more important to us um because we haven't got anybody else who can play in that position and offer the things that he can do. We've got one or two other options of people who could play right back and offer similar attributes to what Trent does, aside from his, his set his dead balls and set pieces. Whereas when Robbo doesn't play, um, you can go look at the Everton game to see how difficult it was for us to create that width and stretch the game and, and get Mane and, and the other front players into it. So he's he's massive. And you know, I know lots of guys in the chat are saying, look, we need a backup left back, and we need um probably another centre back and a forward before we look at the midfield, and and I'd agree with that. But where you find somebody who can do what Robbo does, um it's going to be quite difficult, to be honest with you. Um, so I think it's probably going to be another one of those maybe um, lower transfer fees, somebody who doesn't get much football but is is worked on on the training ground, much like Robber was when he first came to us, you know, um, to try and get him to be able to do anything like um, the sort of output and the influence on the game that Robber has. Yeah, I think it'd be something along the lines of, I know people are throwing in the comments there, the likes of Jamal Lewis, Ruben Vinagre and all that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a Ryan Frazier or something, you know, a, a winger that they'd bring in and just nearly 
coach him to be a, a wing back in the Liverpool team. Um, because the, the attacking, the, the thing about our fullbacks, I suppose, is the attacking onus on them is so big. It, you, you know, you can't just get a good left back and expect them to do what Robbo does. They have to be attacking as well. You know, they have to be, the delivery has to be spot on. And I know Gab mentioned there about just wanting to talk about them during this season, but I, I just threw a few stats down and the comparison with Robbo and Trent, it's actually quite interesting when you look like, so Trent has 127 career appearances, seven goals and 34 assists. Robbo for us has 121 games, three goals and 26 assists. The amount of assists these two are getting in roughly the same amount of games, like it's it's absolutely it's it, it, it's crazy, you know. Thirty four for Trent and twenty six for Robbo. Definitely are two fullbacks, you know. It's 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 unbelievable, and to to get him in, to get the player in for that, you know, Andy Robertson is the type of money ball signing that FSG will sort of mm. hang the hats on now, and they'll be like, look. This is the type of player we want to sign. This is the eight million pound player, which was essentially a swap deal for Kevin Stewart. This is this is the type of deal that we want to do, you know. And when they work like that, you can't really you can't really blame them. But like does, Robertson, yeah, go ahead. Does anybody else think he goes under the radar a bit? And that might sound like a mad ridiculous thing to say, because yeah, I, I was you, thinking just now that you could argue that he's been the best signing that we've. That we've made in recent years. I know yeah, pound for pound. A a, yeah, no. that's a bit of a stretch when you look at Alison Van Dyke and, and a few of the yeah, other guys. Yeah, but, 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 but even if you know what doesn't help, and yeah. this, it, what doesn't help him is that Trent's a scouter. If Andy yeah. Robinson was a scouter yeah. from the academy, he it, it, it's not it's not a slight on Liverpool fans. It's just a thing. But you look at him now, like he's a Celtic lad through and through. He loves Celtic to death, and you can see it in him. He's scousing away. He's Scottish. He's scousing the way that he's Scottish. Similar to like Dalglish when he came out and said, "Look, I'm not going to play anywhere else for the rest of my career." If Andy Robertson was an academy graduate from West Derby, similar to Trent, he'd be well up there. But I think he doesn't get the plaudits because Trent does genuinely look like he will be a generational talent. Yeah, and he absolutely does. Yeah, and. It's uh, that's the only thing that I think it is. I think Sky will always cut to to Trent because it's more fashionable. But Andy Robertson, like Jim said, is more if every bit, if not more important to Trent's mm-hmm. the team because he's literally all that we have. I think you're you're absolutely a hundred percent spot on. Not only that, as well to add to that, I think Trent's assists are way more spectacular than. Robertson's are yeah, like yeah, if you yeah. look if you look if you look at the assist this season for Salah at home to City Trent hits a outrageous yeah. ball across pitch yeah. Robertson yeah. I, does he even take a touch he might take a touch and then he puts one um, right yeah. into the path of Salah and that's outstanding but Trent's ball probably got a little bit more attention than Robertson's yeah. Yeah. cross you yeah. know uh, Robertson has put so many balls across the front of goal for the likes of Salah Firmino Mane um, midfielders coming in to, to, to slot away whereas Trent is whipping stuff in you know I seen a goal the other day where he whips one from the end line against West Ham um, just before Covid kicked in and when Alden gets on the end of it mm, Fabianski's yeah. not great but Trent has like uh, Jerry Carl says um, and he's spot on he says Trent's swagger 
Um, though Robbo way more humble. I, I think there's a swagger to Trent's game that's not in Robertson's. But even outside of Liverpool, like we rave about him, but I've seen so many people that support other clubs going, oh, he's not that good and yeah. he's caught this. Yeah. Caught, and I'm kind of going, I think genuinely if Robertson swung a couple of big crosses into back posts or, or you know, with cross in and, and people got ahead in them already scored probably two or three more goals in a season. I think people um knocking them um why they are I don't know, but people knocking knocking them I think might disappear very, very quickly. For me it goes yeah. under the radar a little bit, yeah. which is great. Um, long may it continue. Long may it last, yeah. I, mean, I think Trent's got that corner against Barcelona as well, I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Trent's got that. He's yeah. got he's got the highlight reel Trent. You yeah, know yeah. and and Robo I suppose you could probably refer to him as what I guess maybe Man United fans thought of a Dennis Irwin, you know, in their heyday. Yes. Yeah. Is that if you asked the Man United fan back then, they would say, you know, like Roy Keane does but on a regular basis, Dennis Irwin's like one of the best football players he's ever played with ever, full stop. Yeah. Um, everybody else would think Dennis Irwin, oh, no way. But, you know, the things he could do, he was a fantastic footballer. Um, and I think probably Robbo, much the same for us, watching the team week in, week out, and we're lucky, we, you know, the team's got... 12, 13, 14 great players who could, you know, make a case for all of them. But him in particular, because he is very, very much the one of that kind that we've got, um, he does stand out a bit more for us. <coughs> yeah, he does. But look yeah. at you only have to look at what Arsenal paid 45 million for Scotland, Scotland, Scotland's second choice left back. Yeah. And he but he's very good. And that, that again shows how good. Yeah, and Kenny's a good player. Very, very he wouldn't very lace Robinson's boots. Yeah, on, on a bad day. No, I agree. That's with you. true. Yeah, it's very true. He is a good player. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be fit enough to lace yeah, his no. boots anyway. Yeah, and, and there's that as well. And I think as well the thing with the the Trent and Robbo comparison as well. You've got you've got Trent being compared with Kevin De Bruyne, and you know every match that's on, you've got the Sky pundits and commentary team are compared to him with Kevin De Bruyne you know they have him on not on a pedestal but you know it's Kevin De Bruyne it's Steven Gerrard it's David Beckham they're the players that Trent gets compared with and I suppose he was a midfield player who was sort of put in at right back just to develop and get get into the team whereas Robbo is just like a tenacious left back isn't he just a 30 yard he's, he's He's up and down, up and down, but he's always looking for them little one tails in around the box, get to the boy line, as you said, and just cutting them across. They're not as spectacular, obviously, on the highlight rail, but they're absolutely devastating when it comes off. And the amount, like I said, the amount of goals and chances he creates, it's he is very underrated. And like I said, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of uh, of Robbo. Um, someone pointed out earlier, he wasn't great last night, but look, that's one game. We've won the league. He was great last week celebrating the league title win. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, he went hell for letter at that. So, I just think he's an absolute smashing player. Um, and we're lucky to have him. And, and the longer he stays underrated, you know, the better. I love that argument when someone says, oh, he's not that good. Like, he's not that good. Andy Robbo, lovely. Sit down <laughs> and we'll have a chat. Welcome into this uh, spider web. We are going to be here for a while. But look, Andy Robbo, he's, he's a sensational player. He's penetration on the left hand. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. 
and so it, it's it's unmatched I think and I I agree I think we need something to maybe take the slack off him but you know it'd be hard to, to get someone else that can do what he does so look we'll move on from Robbo um, and we'll have a look ahead at Aston Villa on Sunday um, people were putting in the comments earlier um, and I've seen online as well they're expecting Villa to get a bit of a hiding now on Sunday um, Jim what do you expect the reaction to be Will that be a, a bit of a punishment out for Villa? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think they were probably going to struggle um, before last night. Um, first home game, obviously we've got no fans, etc. Um, but since obviously we, we were crown champions, um, I fully expect, you know, Aston Villa can't defend um, as a team, full stop. Um, they've got a, t- a terrible goalkeeper. Wouldn't probably expect Reina to, to come back in on Sunday, but um, even if he does, I, I don't see anything other than possibly a four, another four, maybe five nil. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I just think we're, we're far, far too good for him. And Shawnee, what do you think? What do you expect on uh, Sunday? Do you think it's going to be a, a reaction? Is it going to be Klopp sort of running the bollocks out them for a few days and just getting them tip top for for the Villa game and make not an example available sort of get out there and sort of earn his win and and don't take his foot off. Yeah, absolutely. I think there has to be a response, really. Um, if the, the if they seem to go out with the same sort of... I'm not going to say... I don't think the attitude was poor last night, but with the same kind of mentality going into the game, then they're no use to anybody. But I think... I think Villa would have wished last night didn't go the way it went. Yeah. Um, because... They have been, they've struggled really since since the the coming out of lockdown. That aside, that heavily relies on Grealish, and other than that, they have nothing else for us. I don't think. And as Jim said, they can't defend for Toffee. So if if we're clinical and we get an early goal, Jesus, God knows what score is going to be. And you have the likes of Salah, a man who are mad for that golden boot. So so it could be ugly, for in for from their perspective on Sunday. Gav, what do you think? Do you think it's um it's not looking too too tasty for Villa, or can you see a sting in the tail at all? Um, no, I don't see a sting in the tail. I'm being honest <laughs> with you. Um, I was <laughs> amazed that well, uh, you see, I was amazed at Villa from from early there early doors. Um, and I mean, before a ball was kicked, um, they come up into the Premier League off the back of nearly being out of existence. I think probably within the twelve months previous, they were in serious financial issues, and they went and spent 155 million. Um, one thing that's proven in the Premier League is if you come up. Right, you might come up and you might be limited on what you can do, but you have a team that knows each other, they're cohesive, they, they work hard for each other, um, they have a plan, they stick to it, and, you know, sometimes it gets them where they want to go. Norwich being the example that doesn't work um, this season in particular because they were just too naive. But Villa seemed to... Villa... Do you ever see a side that are struggling and they mishmash a team together before the yeah. season starts? Villa done it in a very expensive way, in my opinion. Um they don't seem to be able to defend. I think their centre halves are appalling. Um, mm. Their goalkeeper, they lost their goalkeeper, didn't they, from Burnley? Tom Heen, um, yeah. Yeah, they lost him. They brought in Rain. They've another guy in goal now. That's, oh, yeah, Nyland. Yeah, he's not great. I think that's it. They, they compete in midfield. They have got Grealish, um, but they've no goals in them. And you can defend as much as you want, but, but that mix of porous at the back and, yeah. um, you know, can't hear the barn door up front. Mm. 
um, is is a deadly mix. And when you get into a rut like that, it's very, very hard to get over. And a three-month break doesn't do anything for you. You know, um, they're treading water. They're not even treading water now. They're, they're, they're hoping they're hoping for a, a life boy to be thrown into the water at this stage. Um, listen, the only thing I would say is Klopp said he was going, and I've said this a couple of times on a couple of shows, Klopp said that they, Liverpool were going to come back all, all guns blazing to this league and it, it it didn't happen at Everton. They went there on the shoulder with a rebel against Palace and there was circumstances uh, around City last night, i.e. loads of drink taken over the last seven days, but that's not the whole excuse. I would have given Villa some sort of chance if Klopp had come out last night and went, listen, that's what happens. You know, the lads are being great, but he didn't. He's come out and yeah. he's told them that that is not fucking good mm. enough. And yeah. when you have a mix of um, Liverpool Football Club champions for the first time in 30 years and seven days after being crowned champions, Klopp is fucking, you know, he's just yeah. paint coming off the wall because he's that, that annoyed. Um, it's not good for Villa. Like, Palace came to Anfield last week and didn't acquit themselves too badly and they're a much better side than Villa in my opinion and they were torn apart and I can see a very similar thing happening um, come Sunday um, unless an absolute miracle happens for Villa um, that's being perfectly honest with you yeah I think it's it's a tough one for them already you, you touched on it there if you're, you're weak at the back and it, it probably will be Nyland that plays in goal and he's a calamity and yeah. then you've got a back four that could possibly be made up of Tyrone Mings, Courtney House, Esri Conza, Neil Taylor. And Neil Taylor, uh, from your neck of the woods there, Jim, mm. he's only coming in from the cold. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not been, you know, playing. I, I think I do feel for Villa because, like, last season they were, I think, I, I watched a lot of the championship towards the end. And, and I think at one point they were, like, 10th or something. Mm. Uh, Dean Smith came in. Um, I th- he's a good manager, I think. I think he'll yeah. probably, you know, if they get relegated, hopefully they stick with him. But I think they had Abraham up front. John McGinn had just signed, and he started tearing up the, the championship. They had um, Twan Zabi, I think his name is, a centre-back yeah, from Man United from at the back. Right, yeah. um, they had a good goalkeeper. Um, and they went on a, a brilliant run. And then obviously got promoted. But of course, as soon as they get promoted, they, I think they lost their goalkeeper, so they bring in Heaton. They lost uh, Twanzebe. Um, McGinn got injured at the start of the season. But the biggest problem was they lost Abraham. And you know, as everybody knows, you can't. It's very difficult to find a goal a goal scorer who can get you 10, 15 goals in the Premier League. Never mind sort of twenty. Um, you know, there's not a lot of them around anywhere. They've spent big money to try and replace the players that they've lost and. As with everything, it, a lot of it is down to who you sign and how much you spend on them. And if you get it wrong, this this is the trouble. So they've got nobody up front. They've got um, a back four, which you've just read out, which is not good enough. McGinn hasn't come back from his injuries anywhere near the player he did before he was injured. Um, and, and like I've said, you, you can't score and you can't keep a clean sheet. Then you, unfortunately, you're not going to get many points. Yeah, I think that the midfield, you're looking at Douglas Louise, probably marvellous, what's his name, marvellous in the camera, and um, John McGinn. John McGinn that'll yeah. be the three. And it's yeah. an industrious, it's a hard working midfield, and that's that's their only. I know they'll have Grealish, will be their, their um, spark then, sort of coming off maybe the left hand side, but. Like they're gonna play Keenan Davis, I think his name Keenan Davis. Mm. Keenan Davis. They were they, by years. They, they were. Come at Anfield for love now money. 
But they'd be going in with um, a Benteke or the likes, you know, and they'd have that big target, man. And unfortunately, we'd always have Skirtle. So yeah, always, yeah. that's the that's what that's what was going well, on. Well, even for them now, they just don't have that now. I watched them. Um, what game did I watch with them? They played someone, and the Yaman Keenan Davis up front was playing. It was, I don't know who it was against. And he looked lively, you know. He looked, he was mixing it up. He was throwing himself in. That could have been Sheffield United. And um, he just didn't look like he had a goal in him, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. it's one of them. that They put a lot of money into Wesley to to get them those goals yeah. and got injured, bad injury. Takes a while to settle in. It was a big gamble. But the thing with Villa, they spent was the second most in yeah. transfers in the summer. But it was 155 half, million quid. Yeah. But over half of that, I think, was was permanent. You know, loan deals that they had making them permanent, and the likes of uh, Al Ghazi and all they had. About 30, 30 odd, wasn't he? Who? Thirty five million. Yeah, like there's yeah, a lot, was... of, a lot of the deals where they they were throwing money at players to make them permanent, and um, they just they just don't look to me like they have a squad that that they've spent one hundred and fifty million on. You know, and it's where. What do they do? They've really spent it poorly, and uh, I think they. I think. I think. They, I think. They, I think they tried to run before they could walk. I think they've seen some potential in these players, and some of these players that they have may go on to have, mm. you know, if they go down Premier League careers, as you go, yeah. they're a decent player. But putting them all together at the same time was a bad move, a really yeah. bad move. And they they probably looked at it as an opportunity when they looked at the likes of West Ham and they looked at Bournemouth and they looked at Sheffield United going, they looked at Norwich and they went, listen, there's four teams, um, you know, throw in another couple. Newcastle looked like they were doomed um, just because of who was in charge of them. Maybe they've had a really good season. But they probably looked at them and went, we can take this gamble. Um, and we feel that these players are worth this money and will be worth more in the future. So take the gamble, get in there. There's definitely four or five sides that we can stay above. And then, you know, it, it gives us a real platform and basically jump from year one to year three in one year. You know, that kind of way, instead of trying to progress it and say, stay up um, consolidate and then push on a little like, bit like Bournemouth done, um, uh, you know, over the years. But Villa tried to tried to jump too many hurdles I feel at the same time and like if you look at the amount of the players they, they, they brought in many were Premier League players oh, you know know the Premier League and yeah. you know know the Premier League know what it's about know what you need to do week in week out like you were saying that's an industrious midfield it, that's if it's playing in midfield yeah. you know how industrious can you be standing on the edge of your box trying to protect yeah. the back four that don't know what they're doing you know um, so for me it just it's wrong at Villa um, I don't know who's Who's mostly to blame? Is it the manager? Did he push these things? Is it the board? Is this new board inexperienced or what mm-hmm. they're doing? And thought this is a good plan. But by all accounts, they've got like I, I'm, 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 I, come on, come on, yeah. They've got like a sporting director sort of um, guy there. So I think he's he's the person that's bought all these players. Um, yeah. Rather than the manager, but you're 100 percent right, Gav. Is that the, the players they bought have got none, very limited Premier League experience. And you look at the coaching staff as a whole, um, none of them have coached in the Premier League. So yeah. they, they've gone and just filled the, 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 the club really with with a lack of experience and a lack of know-how as to how to how to manage to stay up in that league. Um and if you're gonna re- if you're gonna lose three or four players straight away which need replacing for, from loans, why would you then buy another two or three on top of that? to go into your first team because all of a sudden from one season to the next you've got seven new first team players which you know who can you can't build a team like that unfortunately not be, mm. not be successful anyway 
Yeah. Like Owen Bork says there, those Liverpool or those Villa players only came fifth in the championship last yeah. season, won mm. the playoffs. And they didn't they, they I, I just find that the way they've gone around away around this is all wrong. And Villa are a huge club. You yeah. know, and I, I I liked them in the Premier League, but they were a disgrace the last time they were in it. And you know they're not much better this time. They haven't learned. They haven't learned. They're really taking themselves because you know Bournemouth, um, Watford, uh, West Ham, really, mm. and Norwich should all be the four teams at the bottom. You know, scrapping for that one place to stay yeah. at. They're all all four of those teams are appalling. So whoever goes down, bad, so anyone out of those four teams will be kicking themselves. Because they should be the, they should be seventeenth and down because they're four terrible terrible teams. It's true. It's it's there's so many bad teams. But as Kev O'Sullivan pointed out in the chat earlier, like did they learn nothing from Fulham? You know, Fulham the season before spent over a hundred million on players and were absolutely deplorable and went down. So it's a harsh lesson. And for teams that come up, you know, I don't know what way the championship will play out. But for example, let's say a Leeds come up and they haven't been in the Premier League for so long. Do they? get a bit desperate and try to I don't know they don't have the finances and all that but you know do they they make you have to be sensible with your signings I think rather than just throwing scatter going like Fulham did and like um, Villa did this season whereas West Brom you think if they come up they'll probably be a bit more sensible they've been up and down a bit of a yo-yo over the years but it's a harsh lesson for the promoted teams like that um Fifth in the fifth in the championship, and they just made all those loan deals permanent. There was Douglas Luiz, uh, Al Ghazi. You know they weren't spending on top quality players, and then the players they brought in. I I just can't see anything other than a bit of a baiting for them on on Sunday. Uh, everything is is leaning that way now. My predictions have been outrageous since we've come back. I have us hopping off everyone, but I genuinely think this weekend. We will, I think, the, as you have said, you have both said, you know, the way Klopp has spoken and the way we've seen previous reactions to bad results and bad performances, it doesn't matter who they play next, there's usually a performance out of them. So I think Villa might be on the end of a hiding. So what way do you think we're going to line up on Sunday? Is it going to be the same again? Or do you think there might be one or two little changes in there, um, Gav? Um, I think, I think that result last night has um, ended any chance of Jones, Elliot, Nico Williams getting, yeah. you know, what would you call semi regular starts in the last six six league games, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought the other night, I thought from watching last night, club has no interest in this hundred hundred and one points. Um, but his reaction afterwards tells me a little bit different. Yeah. There may be one or two changes. I think. Um, I, your goalkeeper would be fine. I think your back four remained the same. Um, Klopp did say that Gomez was taken off because of the yellow card and the way things were going. So maybe he stays with that. I know Matip's out for the season and I know he also said that Lovren is out and he didn't want to, to risk uh, Gomez. I think um, I think you'll see Fabinho again, most certainly. I think you'll see I think you'll see Henderson. You might see Oxley chamberlain though or Keita. Yeah, uh, my opinion, and I think the three lads will start up front. I, I genuinely do. I think the three lads will start up front. Um, as you said, Salah's look too off the golden boot. Manny might be two or three off as well, is he? Yeah. Um, Firmino needs a goal at Anfield. Whether there's anybody there or there's fifty five thousand people there, he needs a goal at Anfield. I just think in midfield, I think you might see. I, I think you might see when Alden drop out, and I think you'll see either Chamberlain or Kay to come in. I think that'll be it. Yeah. What about you, Jim? 
Um, I, I probably wouldn't be surprised to see um, Nico Williams start at fullback. I think. Um, I think. I think he might. Um, the, the other. I think the centre halves pick themselves, don't they? Um, there's nobody else really. Um, Robertson will play left back. I would probably go Henderson. No, I'll probably go uh, Fabinho, Henderson, and Cater. I don't think he, he trusts Cater and Oxley Chamberlain together as, as a two yet. And then I'd like to see Minamino start instead of Firmino because I think Bobby's been enjoying a little break a bit too much um, and certainly enjoying us winning the league. And then the other two lads obviously pick themselves. Um, so probably I'd probably have to see that, that uh, starting start 11. So you have the five a couple subs of changes, is huge. Yeah. I think the five yeah. subs thing is huge. Yeah. You know, if it's three subs, if it's three subs, you're going to go on. Oh, we 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 get we we get. No, he could start Nico Williams. He could start Curtis Jones. He could start Heavy. We don't know what he's going to do. But oh. the only thing I would say is, if he's at the calling out his team, um, after that game last night, he has to give them the opportunity to put it right. That's the only way I think of it. There's no point in calling out these 11, 12, 13, 14 players or whatever it is and then going, oh, by the way, you're not playing now because you're not giving them the chance to respond. And mm. the response is what you want. You know, now there is times, don't get me wrong, where the team is just appalling and you just, it's the last straw and you just go, him, him and him can't play again. And I'm going to lash them over and they're just not playing. I can't abide by them anymore. I can't watch them play football anymore. Um, but I think you need to give the team a chance to respond. And I think the five subs thing may, may work in his favour. The likes of, he, he may in his head just go, right, I'll, I'll play. He might go Kate or Chamberlain, but he, he then he look and go, Williams, um, Jones, uh, yeah. Elliot, Minamino, and, and an, a, another. And he'll go, yeah. that's me five that I'm going to change. And as somebody in the chat said there, for a few goals up, the young lads may come on at 60, Mick said it. Um, yeah. I think that, I think that might be the way to go because, I like, I've no problem with a manager calling players out. You know, they, they get enough, they're pussyfooted around enough, um, in, a, in, in top level football, in my opinion. And they need to be able to take her on the chain when they're told they're not good enough. They're given enough plaudits. And look, it didn't affect me massively last night because the, the bigger picture for me is just, you know, the league championship. But, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to lash a team like that, you need to say to them, right, I've, I've called you out. Now you better go and prove yourself. And listen, that he five of them could be walking off the pitch on sixty minutes gone. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got your response and put the lads on and give them another appearance and um, for the chance of that medal that he's already said they have to work hard for. That's I think true. there's also the thing of you know looking looking ahead at certain games, prepping players. Um, Kevin's just said in the chat. I think if Milner, Milner's back fit, it wouldn't surprise me then if Milner started in midfield with Fabinho and Cater. You know, don't forget Cater started the way to Everton was very very good. Mm. Uh, so I don't see that as a big change as for Williams um, he's been the one hasn't he the one that's come on consistently since the restart um, came on again last night um, I don't know it's a home game I'm not you know I don't think he would be giving him a game just for the sake of giving him a game but when every time he's come on he's done well um, true and if we haven't got the option of resting Trent and pushing Joe Gomez out there then I don't think there's really anybody else because we need Fabinho in midfield. Um, but I do, I do get what Gav's saying that yeah, if you're going to dig a team out, <coughs> yeah, you're not going to want to make too many changes for the next game. But the but, games are coming taking fast, aren't they? I mean, we've Brighton, yeah. I think, then during the week, don't we? So it's it, there's going to be a lot of games, and I know the home 
thing maybe isn't as big a deal now because there's no um, no crowds, no fans there. But, you know, maybe you're looking at Aston Villa at home. If, if you could pick a game that you think, right, this is going to be the one that you can put in uh, Nico Williams or you can put in Curtis Jones, this would be the one you'd pick. But maybe the last night has changed all that and has maybe altered his, his stance on it. And I know he came out saying that, you know, we won't be playing kids. Uh, he won't just be giving them um, games just for the sake of it. But you mo- I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, yeah, one or two, maybe not from the start, but maybe a half time, you might see Williams coming in and if our winning, as we maybe expect to be. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think last night, as we said, it changes how he's going to look at the rest of the season and it's going to be um, difficult maybe where we all thought that the lads would have their feet up and we'd be playing the under 23s for the rest of the season. It's not looking like that'll be the case. But if we were to go with a team and and as both sort of said, maybe a Kate or a Chamberlain in, in midfield, um, this again, it would be the ideal before, uh, opposition for them, wouldn't it? You know, get them in there Villa, we don't think are going to pull up too much of a of a fight. And look, without being too disrespectful to them, you know that they're just terrible at the moment. So maybe it is a game for the Oxley Chamberlain. He seems to have a lot of trust in him, but Naby is the one that maybe needs the games, and this could be the ideal one for him. So I think it might yeah be the same defense and the same team basically, but maybe Kate in for Ronaldo. Um, mm. Just rather than have the functional midfield three, do you know what I mean, against the Villa, he might just throw in the change there. But I do like the idea of a Minamino, maybe. You want to say something, Gav? I, I, I just, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where Minamino plays, um, to yeah. be honest with you. I'm still trying to work out where he plays in this side. Um, you've seen him in a false nine, you've seen him off the right, I think, yeah. if I remember rightly. Um, and... People are still talking about him probably being playing as an A in in a midfield three, yeah. um, but I I I want to I want to see him play. I want you know, I want to see them all play. You know, Naby Keita yeah. um, has all the tools to be a phenomenal footballer for Liverpool. He's been unlucky with injuries, um, but there's only so much time. You look, you can only hang on to that look for so long until you just become um, unreliable. Yeah. And people have said in the chat there, you know, uh, give Naby the last four to six games and see how how he gets on. My worry is when you give Naby Kate the four to six games, you know how he's going to get on, and that's yeah. play really well, and then get injured. Um, yeah. You just hope it's not a recording team. It looks like a recording team at the moment, but hopefully that's something that's broken. I wanted to ask you to something um, because it's being mentioned there by um, Chris Prosser, I think, and Owen Bork, just on the Gino and Aldum situation, and it might it might come back to the whole Thiago thing as well. I don't know if that's a bit linked because the, uh, have any of you heard anything on the Gino and Aldum situation? Because it seems to be dragging on a bit now. Nothing. No, nothing at all. It's a strange one. I thought it would mm. be one of the first things that got done, to be honest. But yeah. as as this COVID pandemic caused, you know, an issue with that, because I, I was under the impression that the club had invested in upgrade upgrades for majority of the first team, you know, it, uh, important players, um, new contracts, and the money was being spent on them and the training ground. So I would class... Uh, Wijnaldum as as one of those players, um, so what, why it hasn't been sorted, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a strange one. It's very mixed, isn't it? There's a lot of mixed yeah. talk around. That's what I find. Like it's like nothing's being said, um, and then all of a sudden it looks like he's he's um, he is signing something. There seems to be very varying reports on it. Um, I just find it a bit strange because he's in 
like literally he's in the last year of his contract, yeah. isn't he? He's yeah. gone past June yeah. the thirtieth, so very, he's um, very um, poor planning from us to allow it to go this well, far. That, that's un- the well, thing. Unless, that's the, unless that's the worry, yeah. Unless, unless the thing is that we are pushing for something, and we're, we're waiting to see what happens, or we're yeah. willing to say no. Well, listen, we we'll use him for another year, and we're willing to lose him. Um, he came out and said that, didn't they? That they'd rather they they wouldn't force the issue, and if he, you know, they they'd happily let the contract run down and sell him. I heard mm-hmm. that a while ago, but it doesn't make any sense, you know. And I think, you know, we had the second highest agent fees in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And we signed no players. So what does that tell you? That tells you that it's all going on contract renewals and it's all going on tying down our players. So we are big into, you know, say what you want. He's, I think he's an unsung hero of the team, Gini Wijnaldum. Never gets the credit he deserves, but he's in the team all the time. And if Liverpool, you know, they be offering him a nice contract. Now, whether Gini wants something else, that's where I'm starting to, to go with this one, that he might think he wants to go and play somewhere else or he wants to go yeah. to another country. I've seen Bayern were actually linked with a meal for him as well. So maybe a nice little swap for Thiago might be on the <laughs> it, could, it could be something like that. But like, listen, I don't, I like Gene Manaldum. I think, um, I think people can be, a, people can go to extremes on both sides on him. You know, they yeah. can say he's absolutely outrageous and then other times he's absolutely appalling. You know, there was a thing going back probably not so much last season, but the season before where he disappeared in away games and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. And then, then he kind of picked up and that kind of went away. But I'd like to think that if Gino and Alden wants to run out his contract, so be it. He's every right to. Um, and he's been a good servant to the club. You've seen where he's won with the club. Uh, but I'd just like to think that Liverpool have a plan in place. And I, I, I'd be very surprised if Liverpool don't. A have a surprise, not have a plan for this summer or next summer with regards to whatever happens to Gino and Alden, whether that's he leaves or he stays and signs another contract. But we'll have to wait and see. But there seems we've just a lot of varying, um, yeah. a lot of varying uh, reports on it. That's true. Liam Morris, he put in the chat there that um, he did. You don't want another Emery Chan saga sort of coming along. And I did read something about Michael Edwards is sort of. It gets on his, you know, it gets his back up the, the thought that they had Chan and they let him go. They couldn't get it done. And then Juve got him on a free and then sold him a year later, you know, and Liverpool mm. essentially lost out on what, you know, they could have got if they'd assigned him. So uh, I think if the, he runs down the contract, it'll be because Liverpool are happy to sort of let him do that. If I'd like an early announcement on it, though. Yeah. I'd like an early announcement. If there's any animosity, like- they'll sell him. I'd like to hear in October that Gino Wijnaldum will leave Liverpool Football Club at the end of the yeah. season. It gives people so much clarity on the situation. Now, they, they might want that to happen because then they get seven months of, well, who are you signing? You know, yeah. I've seen people deny Liverpool were crown champions um, on Twitter saying, yeah, it's great we're champions, then we go and spend some money. So you can only imagine um, the seven yeah. months that would go on, um, you know, with Gino Wijnaldum leaving the club and oh, who's coming in instead because that's what it's all about in some people's heads. I'd like to see some clarity on it sooner rather than later, what, regardless of what way it goes. But you know, one of the things as well that might be playing into this now is how much is he worth, you know, on the market? What what would they have thought they'd have sold him for before well, that's, COVID that's trouble, compared to now? Because yeah. you look at Leroy Sané has gone to yeah. Bayern Munich for 50 million euros and it's because he, he'd nothing left on the contract. And mm. if they're linking Thiago for 35 million with us, that's 
scandalously low for a player of that ability. You know, the, the prices, unless you're a Barcelona and Juve doing some sort of money laundering thing with the Leiden Pjanic and Arthur deal, you're not, you're not going to get big money. So Liverpool might look at that and say, well, we value Genie at 30 million. Realistically, we'll only get 15 for him. So what's the point in... Yeah. You know, selling them, just let the contract go down and we'll worry about replacing them. The only worry about it is there's a lot of replacing getting pushed down the line. You know, we have a team that's a lot of key players are hitting 30 and going over 30 and they might need to start blooding in younger players sooner. You know, you don't want to have them all going, having them all be replaced. You know, because if you keep Milner for the year, let's say, then it's him and Genie probably going next season. You know, it's it's a few big holes to fill in. But look, we're not in charge, thankfully, because I'd be signing all sorts of weirdos if I ah, was. listen, yeah, we, we it wouldn't. I'd be drunk. I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be able. I wouldn't be able to sign anyone. See, you know, Messi train, isn't extending train, with Barca. I'd be on the phone to him. Yeah, training exactly. um, training one consists of three laps of the the pub car park. <laughs> <laughs> and then stop for some refreshments. Uh, where, where, how long has Messi got left on his deal? Messi's uh, twenty twenty one. Um, it's just stuff next season. Yeah, he only uh, signs. He signs little extensions all the time. He doesn't. Yeah, he gets. He gets another big bumper deal. He always does. But um, um, now, do you reckon that he, he wants out now because he there was a big fallout there with Eric Abidal. Eric Abidal is yeah, the right. the yeah, sporting director, player. and he yeah. blamed the players when. Um, Valverde wasn't getting the results and Messi lashed him out of it then in the press and surely if it comes down to it Eric Abidal's getting the P45 before Leo Messi but yeah. you just don't know but if he's available and he wants to play for Jürgen's Reds you know he can come over and you can shake Andy Robertson's hand like a man and just get on with <laughs> I'm all about that that's fine yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, I took you off on a massive tangent there instead of the no, predictions. I love a tangent, I love a tangent. But just but, as you say that, I want to move on to the prediction. So, uh, Jim, we'll start with you. How, what score do you think it's going to be? 4 0. 4 0, good, solid 4 0. Anyone going to show in, do you think? Have you got a feeling that could be anyone's game? Yeah, I think um, Kater scores too. Mm, Glimpse nice. into the future. Yeah, I very good. 90 minutes and not getting injured, and that's it. I like that. I like that. Yeah, why not? And Gav, what about um, you? I six, I five or six nil in my head. I'm being honest yeah. with you. Um, but but again, I'm I'm getting a bit thrown by the word that's coming out of Liverpool. Um, about how they're going to approach things, and then it's totally different. <laughs> you know, everything was meant to be all guns blazing, and it wasn't. Palace was. Yeah. It'll be tricky, and we destroyed them. And then last night it was a team we wanted, and look what happened. Um, but all teams being equal, I think if you if you look at Villa, um, I, I think they might approach it the same way Crystal Palace did, and I don't even think they have the attacking threat Crystal Palace have, and I don't think they have the defense Crystal Palace have. So I'm going to go with. Do you know what? I go with Jim. I go four 0 um, but I fancy, I fancy, I fancy all of the front three to score, and I don't know. Throw in. I, I fancy Salah to get two and I fancy Mane and Firmino to both score as well. Very good, very good. See, I was on the Chris Prosser sort of vibe of 7-0, but yeah, then Stevie, that, but... Stevie's after jumping in there and blitzing that with something that's more up my street and he's going for 12-0. He must be watching the cricket. Someone must be 12 <laughs> for no loss, is he? Uh... I like the idea of giving someone a hide. But <laughs> I just... Villa have been poor since they've come back and, you know, 
everything is pointing to an arse whipping here for, for days on Sunday. You know, the fact it's going to be an Anfield, Liverpool were amazing against Palace, who are a better team yeah. than, than what Villa are, are better at the back than what Villa are. And it could get, but it could get nasty. Now, Avo's thrown in a 16, and I'll, I'm liking this. The cricket scores are right up my street, but I'll keep it sensible and I'll go with six. I think it could be like a six nil. I think we could really, really punish them because I think Klopp will nearly be making them stand on their throat a bit. You know, he won't yeah. ease off. I think that's what it could be. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it's for me. Could Villa, could Villa look at this and say, listen, we want to rest players? Yeah. It's one of those games that we can't win. You hear about it all the time. Um, yeah. they, they write this game off and they target other games beyond That's that. good point. Who are they playing, actually, um, in the midweek? Oh, God so. only knows. But they're, I'm going to tell shy, you now. So any game is difficult for them. Oh, well, they've got uh, Manchester United. <laughs> oh, well, they could win that. They may as well rest. Yeah, but they've only got two days, apparently. So they're playing, they're playing us on Sunday and they're playing United on Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, bad times. Yeah, so it's it's one of those, isn't it? Um, but listen, I think they're going down. I'm being honest with you. I know yeah. we haven't discussed the bottom three, but I think yeah. I think Villa are Villa are in serious trouble. I think Bournemouth are in serious trouble. Um, yeah, and Leicester, no, are, be the Leicester are gone. It'll be the saving yeah. grace for the West Ham's and the. Well, you see, West Ham. West Ham are terrible. Yeah. And everyone just kept losing around them, and they get a win, and it's like, you know, happy days. Brighton are the same. Brighton got yeah. four points in their first two games, and they played and leapfrogged out of the danger zone. Yeah. Because they're just so bad down there, yeah. you know. Um, an interesting point there from Liam Morrissey, they just, they just hear that one. Uh, you know, you have just lost Pogba and Bruno injured today in training. Apparently, apparently they injured, injured in, each other. Apparently injured in training. Yeah. Tackling each other. Yeah. Now, Stephen O'Connor also says, Man City banned for two years, breaking news. Um, I don't know if, if I don't know if Stephen O'Connor's acting the maggot. Um, he, could he, could could be. Be. he could be, he could be, but um, I'm fair play to him if he is. That's what we're all I about. Like it, yeah, yeah. Um, I like it too. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, but the, the bottom three, uh, I, I worry for Villa and I worry for Barmot. Yeah, you can't see where they're getting, um, where they're going to get their points from. Any other points at all, they just look a complete and a Rabble. Yeah. They look, they look, I mean, I watched a bit of them against Newcastle the other night. Yeah. They were as bad as I've ever seen for a Premier League team. And, you know, we're talking like the Sunderland teams. They're gone. <laughs> they were yeah. bad. And the, and the Mick McCarthy, and we're talking the Derby team. You know, they were <sighs> some of the players they bought, mainly from us. And they're releasing <laughs> Oib. Oib has been released, hasn't he? Yeah. Fifteen million they paid for him, and six million yeah. for Brad Smith. Like, and they're, they're and they released million for Solanke. Yeah, they look. Yeah. They look to me like Bournemouth. Yeah. To me, look like a side that are completely and utterly stale. And that's from that's from the manager down. They 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 look like I don't know if they want yeah. to play for him anymore. I think it's hearing the same voice over and over again, especially yeah. when things aren't going well. I think is um is is. It, it, it's, it's I saw the writing's um, on the wall, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The third and fourth goal went in on against Newcastle, and the camera panned to Eddie Howe and his and his uh, assistant on the touchline, mm. and um, their faces just—they they were literally—you could just see they were like, "What can we do? There is literally mm. nothing we can." And I've been in that position once, and it's horrendous because you know. I, I said on Twitter, I wouldn't surprise me after that game if they both walked out of the changing rooms and that was it. Packed yeah, their yeah. bags and went home. 
But fair yeah. dues to him for not doing that. But I just don't see it. It's, well, Eddie Howe gets gets um, homesick if he goes as far as Burnley, if you remember. <laughs> yeah. So um, he probably just wants to stay really around there. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's a good point you make there, Jim, because Newcastle, you know, they, I've seen mm. a bit myself and they were saying about, you know, Newcastle have the lowest, uh, usually the, the lowest average yeah. uh, possession in games and they were, you know, they were lifting Bournemouth, you know, yeah. you know, they just couldn't touch the ball. It was, it was crazy. Um, so I think they're, yeah, I think they're in trouble uh, with, along with Villa. And Grizz might be happy, Gab. You might get Billing in the summer if they go down. He could oh, be the, stop, will you? He could be the one. So oh, We don't need that sort of show going on. <laughs> so listen, everyone in the chat for joining us, thanks very much. You've been lashing the comments in there tonight. So thanks for that. And Gav, are we back on Sunday night, is it? For a show. Yeah, we're ta- we're taking them um, tomorrow night off. Um, we're back on Sunday for a reaction show. At the Villa will be ten o'clock Sunday night, and we'll try announce all our shows for next week when we're on Sunday as well. Yeah, let let Excellent people know stuff. where we're at. All good right. stuff, good stuff. So, uh, Jim, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Pleasure, it's a pleasure having you. Pleasure as always. Thanks, guys. No worries, Gav. Again, on the other side of the hosting duties tonight. Thanks very much. Great stuff, Keith. Well played. And I know Sean, he had a technical issue and had to drop out, but he, he's with us in spirit and I'm sure he wishes us all the best. R.I.P. Um, Shawnee. <laughs> R.I.P. is right. So listen, um, that's been our build-up show. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you again on Sunday. Take care. Ain't no place like a cowboy place. Ain't no town like a cowboy town. Ain't no way like the cowboy way. Have a cowboy kind of day. Yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose, ain't no way you're going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package, but that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated, and right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Sports Social Podcast Network.